Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give. So, you went on YouTube and learned how to fix a leaky sink. Now you're an expert. That's cool. But now your mind is a fury of possibility. What else could you learn? What if you could fix a sink? And while you learn to fix a sink, you learn to control your tongue. That's not easy. And then, by controlling your tongue, you could learn to control your road rage. Then, by controlling your road rage, you could have more patience with your neighbours who are throwing junk over the fence into your yard. And now, with more patience, what if you could learn how to stop raging at your roommate for leaving dishes in the sink? And, and then, with less rage, what if that girl who said, nope, was now like, maybe? That would be really cool. Then, what if you learned to stop drowning your problems in Amazon purchases and started living on a budget? And what if, with less stress, better relationships, more patience, and a control on your tongue, you begin to see that God is actually real? Or you could just learn to fix a sink. This is a letter about your life from a man named James. It's the whole truth from the half-brother of Jesus. This is your masterclass. All right. Good morning, ACF. So glad you are here. My name is Stuart. I'm one of the pastors, and we are continuing our talk, our discussion in the book of James this morning. And uh, last week, Pastor Brian was talking about the different things, but one of the things that I love that uh, hit me was that when you're in a situation that's challenging or a trial that you're struggling with, you need to identify what is the trial and then what's the temptation. And they're different. That God will never tempt you with making a bad choice, but he's going to move you in and out of things that are tough. And so the trial is a situation you may find yourself in, but the temptation, those things are coming from us or the evil one uh, that are driving us to do things that, that, that hurt ourselves, hurt other people, or ultimately separate us from God. Uh, and I laughed. Oh, that got really loud to me. I don't know how it sounds to you, but uh, I had to laugh uh, when I got uh, looked at the passage that I'll be uh, discussing with you guys this morning, uh, James 1, 19 through 25. Uh, a couple years ago, I gave a sermon, um, and I had uh, two very deep, profound points that took literally minutes to come up with, uh, and they were, read the Bible, start somewhere. Um, and so then I'm looking at the, the passage today, I'm studying as we're getting closer to it, and I'm just going to go ahead and give you my two main points up front so you don't know where we're, or you don't have to wonder where we're going this morning. You can just know ahead of time. This is where we're going to get to, and they are these two points. Read the Bible, do what it says. Yeah, so it's, we're, going, we're going really deep into theology this morning. Um, and that's one thing I love about the book of James. I love the way James writes is it's super simple. It doesn't, he doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't use flowery language to hide the truth. You don't have to dig super deep to get there, but what he is saying is no less powerful. And so the, the temptation or the, the, uh, the, the downfall could be that because it's so direct and simple, we think that it's too basic, that it's doesn't, the, the, the simpleness doesn't apply to the chaos of our complex lives today. Um, and so we can overlook it, we can bypass it. And I was thinking it's very similar to uh, like sports, to business, uh, to really anything you do in life. Like and, uh, if if I'm in school and I want to succeed, but I, for, I don't really pay much attention to reading, writing, and math, I'm, I'm going to struggle, right? So if I don't have those things down, the fundamentals, the basics, I'm going to struggle. If, 
If I'm in business and I don't have a good product, a clear message, and a fair price, I'm going to struggle. My business is maybe not going to do so well. Uh, In sports, if I haven't really practiced on physical conditioning, if I haven't spent time getting my body in shape, and I haven't uh, done the basic skills of maybe ball handling, I'm going to struggle in that. And anything in life is like that. And I think God is like that uh, with our lives, that he's telling us to get back to the fundamentals. Uh, The basics are important, and that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, So I'm going to have you go ahead and open up to James chapter 1, verse 19, is where we're going to start. We're going to look at a real short section of the book of James. And if you're new to the church or you haven't been here uh, in the church for a while, you may be wondering, why are we listening to a dude named James? Like, it could be, you know, Bob wrote a letter, and why are we reading that letter? You know, it's a couple thousand years old. Well, and Brian talked about it in the last couple of weeks, is it's that James is the half-brother of Jesus, and I'm a little brother, so I'm the, little, I'm the baby of my family, and it would take a lot to convince me that my older brother, Lee, is the Messiah, is the, the chosen one, the Son of God. Uh, it would take a lot, right? And I love him, and he's a great guy, but the reality is he's not. You know, he's not the Messiah. And so James had that same attitude. He walked, he grew up with Jesus, and something changed from being a skeptic to being a martyr. He was willing to go to to death for the belief that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was the Messiah, the chosen one, the Son of God who came uh, to take away the penalty of our sins. And so that's why we listen to James. And ultimately, beyond that even, uh, when, when we read things in Scripture, I don't know if you're aware of this, but God used the Holy Spirit to work through men to write the very words that God intended to write. And so as we read the words of James, we're reading the words that God wrote to us through James. Um, And how that works is amazing, but uh, that's why we listen, because God's voice is in the Word of God. So if you go ahead and stand up as we read uh, James chapter 1, starting in verse 19 this morning. It says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty... And perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. You know, one thing I know is that listening can be hard. Anyone else find listening hard? I do. I find listening hard. And I I was sort of like, why is it so hard for me to really listen to what other people have to say? Uh, And I want to hear what people have to say, but I I get distracted. Uh, While people are talking, my mind's, you know, it's got... Five things going on in the background, and I think you're probably very similar. And what I what I found was, the average person speaks at a rate of about 125 words a minute. Depending, that can change. So if you're an auctioneer, that's going to be a little bit little bit higher. If you're a radio host, maybe a little bit faster. Uh, but if you're like me, I have a little bit slower timber in life. I like to go at a slower pace, so I'm probably more like 120, maybe 110 words a minute. But your mind, the average person, can comprehend 400 words a minute. And so what that means is about three-quarters of your, your processing power at any one time when you're listening is doing something other than listening. 
because it doesn't just sit there waiting. It doesn't always focus on the person speaking. So you got three quarters of your mind that's idling and thinking about like grocery lists and what you're doing after church for Father's Day. Oh, I forgot a card. You better get a card for Father because that's important. So it's all those things that you're going through the background while the person's talking uh, that can distract us. And I thought maybe as I got older, I would get better at this. I would have more practice. I'd be more wise and able to focus and get rid of the distractions. But the reality is, and studies show this, that young kids, like elementary kids, have the best listening abilities, that their minds, maybe because they haven't fully developed or they're somewhere in process or they just haven't learned to be super distracted yet, but they actually comprehend far more of what they're, they're being told uh, than adults do. And I can tell you that with age, uh, that is very true. The older I get, the, the harder it is for me to focus because I'm just always thinking about something else. Listening can be hard. And so the question I have for you is, are you a good listener? Are you? Because we think we are, right? We think we're good listeners. So if, if you're married and I ask your spouse, are you a good listener? Would they, would they tell you or tell me that you're a good listener? Would they tell us that you're a good listener? If you're not married, would your friends who really know you, would they say that you're a good listener? Maybe, maybe not. Have you ever been uh, having a conversation with somebody and you're, you're trying to communicate something that's profound or maybe exciting for you and you can hardly even get a sentence out and they're telling you, how much of an expert they are on that topic. And you can change topics. It doesn't matter. They're going to be the expert. They're just always going to be telling you, right? Have you had a conversation with people like that? Maybe you've been talking with somebody, and somewhere in the middle, all you're doing really, you realize all I'm doing is waiting for my next breath or opportunity so I can insert my next story. So all I'm doing is processing the next story or how I'm going to respond, and I'm not really listening to what's going on. I've even been in conversations, and maybe you too, where I've maybe not heard what they said the last time. Or maybe I've gotten to a point where I don't even realize, I have no clue, I don't even understand what they're actually talking about altogether. Like, could you just start over? I know it's been 10 minutes that you've been talking to me, but I have no idea where we're going with this. Because I'm so distracted and so listening to something else. Um, And if, if you're like me, I have some news for you today. You're normal. You're normal. Yeah, that's not an excuse to be a bad listener, by the way, Um, but you are normal. Yeah, and as a speaker, I I also understand um, the research shows that by dinner time tonight, you know, it's what about just after nine o'clock, by dinner tonight, eight hours later, uh, you guys are uh, probably only going to remember 25% of what I say if you were listening. So that, yeah. I have all, all sorts of inner struggle with that. So as we look at the book of James, uh, chapter uh, 1, verse 19, I'm just going to go ahead. This is the way I see James kind of walking through this short few verses with us. He says that we need to do three things. We need to listen to the, the voice of God. We need to hear and listen. The second one is we need to receive it, process what we hear. And then lastly, we need to respond. We need to take action on what we have heard and what we have internalized, and we need to do something about it. Again, simple message. It's a fundamental message, but it's one that's harder to do in real life. Verse 19 and 20, it says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And I think this can sound confusing at first because, yeah, we, we understand we probably should listen more. We probably should talk less. 
yeah, I probably shouldn't be angry, but how does this fit in? But in the greater context that we ta- we're talking about trials that God moves us in and out of and is with us through, it makes more sense. We can be the expert when God puts us through trials. We can get into a situation in our life that's challenging, and we immediately try to put meaning to it, and we tell God why we're going through the trial. We tell other people, this is what God's trying to teach me before we've actually listened to what God might actually be doing in our lives. We want to put that, that badge on it or name it so we're quick to speak to God when we're in the midst of the trial. We read something, we know, we know, I know, I'm an expert, I know this. But God still keeps us there. And we can get angry when we don't fully understand. Like we can say, this is why I'm going through something challenging in life. This is what I believe God is speaking to me. And if I don't see it disappear once I understand it, if I don't, my life doesn't get suddenly easier and better, I can become bitter and angry. Maybe at God, maybe at other people. Because I don't fully comprehend the message that God is sending to me. So we should be quick to listen to what God is saying. We should be slow to tell God what he is telling us. And we should not be angry at what he is doing in our lives. Verse 21, it says, Put away filthiness and wickedness and receive the word implanted in you. And what this is really doing, James is challenging us and calling us to be different than the world that we live in, to be different than the cultural voices that are speaking into our lives, to step away from it. In the process, we call it sanctification. And there's really two aspects of that word. You may hear that in church a lot. It's a, it's a very churchy word, but there's positional sanctification, that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are declared holy. You are declared, you are sanctified, that God positionally says, you are, my chi- you are my child, my son or daughter. That doesn't change. But then God enters into a process in our lives where he sanctifies us, which is we become more and more Christ-like. We become less and less looking like the world. And James is reiterating that point here when he calls us to to put away the filthiness and the wickedness, to be different, to step aside, to be okay, to be countercultural. Our culture is going to tell you, just go along with what everybody else is doing, and it's okay. But God is telling us something different. And at verse 21 at the end, when it says, the, the word implanted in you, which is able to save your soul, it's a very unfortunate rendering in the uh, ESV, the English Standard Version, because it's not talking about salvation here. If you remember, James is speaking to Christians, to fellow believers, and so he's not talking about that. Now, certainly the word of God is able to lead us to salvation. That is really the point. But then... A better reading may be uh, the word which is able to save yourself or your whole person, is able to um, save you completely. And it's really the idea that one road is going to lead to death and hurt, and the other road is going to lead to life and joy. And your whole body will experience that. And there are things that we can do, paths that we can choose that will have different outcomes in our lives. And finally, in the last part of this this section, verse 22, 25, it says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. So I was thinking, like, what's an example of that in my own life? And my kids, they have chores at home. They have things that they are regularly assigned to do, and they know what they're supposed to do. We've walked through how they're supposed to do it so that it's super clear. And then they have other things that I'm just, maybe I'm sitting there enjoying a soda and an I just don't want to get up, so I want my kids to do something, so I'll ask them to do something. So it's an addition above and beyond a normal chore, right? So if I were to ask my, my kid, would you take the garbage out? They would know that what I'm saying is there's a kitchen garbage can, take the bag out, 
seal it up, put a new bag in, take that bag, and then any other boxes we've thrown on the back porch, and take them out to the green can and take that out to the street. They would know that that's what my expectation is. So if I tell one of my kids, I'm not going to name anyone specifically, would you take the garbage out? And they, they look up from their Nintendo for a few seconds, and they, they go, yeah, absolutely. And then they go right back to the Nintendo, and then I wait like you know a few minutes because maybe they're just finishing something. I don't know. I don't know what they're up to. And then they never did it. And I said, hey, did you hear me that I said, take the garbage out? Oh, yeah, Dad. I know what you want me to do. You want me to get the bag, take the bag out, switch the bag, take it around, put it in the can, take it out to the street. Got it. I am expert. I know exactly what you're asking me to do. Right back to Nintendo. Would that fly in the Poteet household? If you have any questions, no, it will not fly in the Poteet household. We will move down a road of disciplinary action. So they may lose Nintendo privileges. They may start losing, you know, digital access for periods of time. Uh, We may go even further. They may be grounding involved. Um, Let the beatings... No, I'm kidding. Um, No, it would not fly in my household. And you know what the reality is? We, a lot of us are experts at what God is telling us to do. We know kind of what, how we should be behaving with other people in our own lives. We've read scripture. We understand some of it. And we understand enough of it. And yet, do you think God is up there going, I'm so proud that you know the Greek for that. I, I'm so proud that you know all of this information about what to do, but you really haven't taken a step to do it. I don't think it flies there either. And I don't know if you, you, you're aware of this, that when we make a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, he makes a commitment to us as well. And we find that commitment in Philippians 1.6. And it says this, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You may think sometimes that your life is invisible to God, but the reality is that he is always working in your life. He is always speaking through the situations that you find yourselves in. The, the good ones, the bad ones, the, the in-between ones, the dry times, the times where you just feel like uh, he is looking over you every second of the day. He is always with you, and he is always teaching. He is always instructing, and he's moving you to completion. What he's trying to do is take away the stuff that separates you from God, take away the stuff that doesn't look holy, take away the stuff that mars our lives, that hurts us, that hurts other people, that damages our ability to walk with him. That's what he's trying to pull out of our lives. So I want to ask now a show of hands, honestly, sometime today as you were getting ready for church, getting ready to be here this morning, how many of you looked at yourself in a mirror? At least just once. Maybe you used your phone camera. Maybe you, you know, were in a hurry and you're using the car rearview mirror. Maybe the reflection as you walked through it by a door. But the reality is, I don't know about you, I look in mirrors all the time. Um, I don't just stare in mirrors. Don't, don't, I'm not that vain, maybe. Um, I'd like to think so. But why do we look in mirrors? Why do we check out mirrors? Well, I can only speak for myself. Okay, I look in a mirror because when I get up in the morning before I come, and I definitely don't want to stand on the stage and have like, you know, boogers hanging out of my nose, my hair being all messed. It's short, but it still can get messed up. Trust me. Let me be last night's cookie binge still stuck to my face. Be a little too, little too honest with you guys, a little too real. And I'm not going to tell you how I know this one, but you definitely want to check for the, the bounce sheet coming out of your 
your pants leg or your sleeve. It's a pro tip. So why do we, why do we look at ourselves in mirrors? The reality is, I think this is it. I want to make sure that the image I have in my head of what I look like is actually what I look like, that it's reality. Because there's what I really, I think I look like, and then I don't know until I can see the reflection in a mirror. And it's important. In the past couple of weeks on any kind of social media, I don't know if you've, you've noticed, but like everybody has these little cartoon caricatures of themselves, right? Um, and I even jumped in on it. I loved it. I love these things. So I like, I had an old picture where I, would sh- I used to have a really big beard. Um, I'll grow it out in August again in case you're nervous about it. And I just want to let you know it's coming back. But in the process of shaving it, I always shave different facial funness. And so I had a really nice Fu Manchu uh, handlebar mustache. And so I put that picture in. And what I loved, I don't know if you, if you haven't been here, I have a really gray beard. So... Um, but this program, it takes it and it really is generous with getting rid of the gray and increasing the black in my beard. And so I love that. It gets rid of the pimples, the wrinkles, uh, makes your hair look like super good. The eyes get bigger and clearer. So you just look young and vibrant and you look good. And it's, that's why you want to do this program, right? Because even me, and I'm like, man, I look cute. Um, <laughs> And it would be awesome if we had a program that would do that for our lives. We kind of hope that that's the case, right? If we just pretty ourselves up on the outside and we go outside, that the world will just think we're doing okay. But God is after a much more deep change in our lives. He's not after a surface-level remake of a cartoon caricature. He really wants true soul change, life change, a new creation in us. And he's not going to stop. At anything less. And James compares a person who uh, reads scripture and just walks away and doesn't do anything with a person who looks in the mirror. And it'd be silly if I, this morning, I got up and I looked in the mirror and I'm like, wow, I am a hot mess. Got wrinkly clothes, my eyes are bright red, I got like eye boogers coming out and, you know, maybe some ice cream stains or something. It would be foolish for me to look at that, see the issues, and then just turn around and walk away. It would, A, be a waste of time, and then B, wouldn't help anybody. Certainly wouldn't be good for me. But how many times have I read the Word of God and just walked away? Like, I'm going to get to that later. I see what you're saying, God, but I'm going to walk away. I'm going to put that on the, maybe the shelf for doing it later, the back burner for a while. And so really, James' message here is super clear. It gets us back to our original two points. Read the Bible. Do what it says. The fundamentals of walking with God. And so I think it's easy, though, for us to know what we should do, but it's, it's oftentimes hard to take the step. It's hard to put it into action. And so if you're having trouble getting some traction in that, you're not alone. Just look around. Everyone in this room is probably on similar footing in some area of our lives. So I'm not standing up here saying, I've got it together. I've figured this out. But we're in this together. So, so I asked the question, what keeps us from hearing the voice of God and doing it? What gets in the way? And I came up with a couple things, or three things. The first is we haven't hit rock bottom with our sin. Man, we are just enjoying living in sin. Pastor Brian said if you aren't enjoying your sin, you're, you're doing it wrong. And, and it's, we just have this idea that, like, I'm going to be the first human in history that my sin is not going to have negative impacts or negative effects in my life. I'm going to be the one to be able to hide it enough from other people and God that it will never impact my life. And we don't realize that sin will lead to 
death. We learned that last week, that the process of sin, it, it, the desire starts, we have it, we give into it, and it, it ultimately it gives birth to sin, and that sin will always lead to death. It will always start to stink up our lives. It will always do bad things to us and to those around us. The second thing that, that keeps us from hearing the voice of God and doing it is we don't know the word of God, or we don't know it really well. So we haven't spent time really looking into the word of God, listening to what God has already said. And so we just take bits and pieces and we try to like maybe live by that little rule. Like the Lord helps those who help themselves. We think sounds really good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang my hat on that. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm going to be an okay person. The problem is that's not in scripture. So it sounds good, but I don't really understand that context. I don't understand why, why that's, that would be true or not. And then the reality is God chose to communicate with us through his written word, through, through people writing down history and then people writing theological letters and understanding. That's the way God chose to communicate with us. And so I need to spend time understanding and reading this. Why he didn't make a, a YouTube video, I don't know. And people have made those, fine. That's, you can learn from podcasts and videos and all those things, but... The reality is God chose to use written words, and that's the way he communicates to us. And someone said this. I didn't come up with it. Uh, Martin Luther said the, the first part, but then somebody else added it, and then the guys keep quoting it as their own. So I'm just going to tell you, I didn't write it, but I love it. If you want to hear the voice of God, read the Bible. If you want to hear the audible voice of God, read it out loud. <laughs> Wondering why God isn't talking to you? Are you reading his word? That gets back to our first point. Read the Bible. So a third reason that I think keeps us from hearing the voice of God and doing it is, I know the word of God, but we're stuck. We understand what God is saying. We've studied it, but we're just stuck somehow. Maybe we're stuck in our sin. Maybe we're just stuck in the busyness of life. We're stuck with family obligations, job obligations, maybe, maybe health concerns are just taking a lot of our focus. And so we're just too busy to really slow down and take time to walk with God. When I was growing up, when I was like a teen, maybe you know, young adult, um, I would, I had a lot of ambition. I had a lot of, you know, I felt like I had a lot of understanding. Uh, you know, I had so much to learn. But I would come to points in, of my life where I had to make decisions, and I would have these moments of like indecision where I can't really take a step because I'm analyzing every possible outcome, and I'm kind of scared to make the wrong decision. And my dad would always give me the same advice. He would say, "Do something, even if it's wrong." Do something even if it's wrong. And what he was saying was not make a bad choice, be a horrible, you know, make a horrible choice and that'll be fine. What he was saying was, I think you have all the information you need to make a decent choice and take a step. Like, just take a step. Don't just sit there and, like, have that paralysis that comes with analysis. Do something. And even if you take the wrong step, it's not the end of the world. You can come back from that. And you learn from that, right? And then you can take a step in a better direction. Do something, even if it's wrong. So when it comes down to following God and doing what he asks us to do, taking a step in that direction, we really have a choice. And we could make an excuse or we could make a change. It's that simple. We could make an excuse or a change. And one of the excuses that, that I hear and that I have used personally, so I'm just going to reveal that, is 
I, I am the way I am because God made me this way. And the logic goes something like this. God's perfect. God created me. God created me in his image. I have these horrible desires and habits in my life. So God must want me just to live like this because he's perfect and I'm created in his image. So therefore, I'm perfect. We may not articulate it quite like that, but I think that's the way we sometimes live out our lives. And the great theologian, Lady Gaga, about 10 years ago, had a song called Born This Way. And in it, she articulated this idea so well. She actually nailed it, that we should just celebrate who we are. And there's a part of that that there is truth. Is God perfect? Yes. Are we created in the image of God? Yes. So he created us. But there's one thing that I think she missed and that we miss when we have that, that excuse of not making a change in our life. Sin has marred that image. It has covered it up. It has buried it. That image of God does reside in each and every one of us. Every person on the planet bears the image of God and therefore has value before God. But it's buried. Some, and some people, like some of us, it's deeper than others. It's buried, it's harder to find, it's harder to see, some of the, the harder to love people in our lives, but it's still there. And what God is committed to is he is committed to pull that image out. He wants to, it to come to the surface and he wants to get rid of the things that separate us from God, that make us look less than righteous before God, that hurt other people, that hurt ourselves. Ultimately, we can make a choice to invite God into the mess of our lives, into the dark places of our hearts. We don't have to wait for him to push it out of us. One of the things I've said before is um, we can follow God willingly or we can follow God kicking and screaming. And what I mean by that is he's going to push. He's going to complete the work that he started in us. And we can invite that in and be receptive to it or we can resist it. And it can be a very painful process for us. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, it says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. This is King David, and he's inviting God after a psalm of, you know everything. I can't go anywhere on the planet where you are not. Even before a word is on my tongue, you know it, God. And yet King David says to God, search me. Know the inner parts of me, my thoughts, the good, the bad, the ugly. See truthfully into my soul and bring it up so that I can walk in your way. Man, I can hear the humbleness of King David. Any man, man after God's own heart, but yet his attitude is, God, I I, I have room to learn. I have things to grow in. So it brings up the question in my mind, why should we trust God? Why should we trust God over self-help books, over podcasts, over internet meme wisdom? Why should we listen to the voice of God? If you're here this morning, that's the question you should be asking. And I think it comes down to this. As our creator, God sees far more, far deeper, and far more completely into the depths of our hearts than we ever could. And so he alone can tell us about ourselves, and his word alone speaks truth about us. If you truly believe God created you, and I I believe he did, then we'll listen to him. 
So if there is a God, and I believe there is, and if he did create us, and I believe he did, and if he is faithful, loving, kind, truthful, and honest God, and I believe that he is, and if he has written truth in the pages of the Bible, and I believe he has, then we can trust him to have our best interest in mind as he directs us through our lives. We can trust that God. He is trustworthy even when it gets tough. And I love that in verse 25, it talks about the law of liberty. Because we like to think of the law as something oppressive and that it's going it's to squish us and take the fun out and punish us. But he talks about it, and he does it all throughout the book of James and watch in the coming weeks. The law of liberty, that God's law is designed to free us up from the things that crush us, the things that hurt us, the things that hurt other people, the things that damage our ability to walk with God. To truly live the life that Jesus states, the joy-filled life, life, our joy to the full. It's the law of liberty, that it's here to guide and give us life, not death. So where do we go from here? What steps do we take? If you have your card that was on your seat, looks like that, go ahead and pull that out. And at the bottom, there's a little perforated section, and you can fill this out. I'm going to walk through these. We're asking you to take one of four steps. So I'm asking you to do something, even if it's wrong today, to take a step. And we do this every week because we realize that it's easy to listen and agree and harder to actually take a step. And so we, we want to help remind you uh, of the step that you said you wanted to take. And we're not going to, like, send a goon squad over to your house and be like, hey, you said uh, last week that you were going to do number three. You didn't. And we've got a baseball bat for your knees. Um, <laughs> that's not what we're doing. What we want to do, though, and this is very practical, is whatever decision you're saying, yes, I feel God leading me to today, we're going to text you this week and remind you so that it'll, it'll put it back in your mind. Because, you know, Father's Day celebrations today, just Alaska life in general, you're going to get busy. And you may, start, you may forget, and you'll show up next Sunday at church and be like, oh, yeah, I said I was going to do something I didn't. So we're, we're trying to help you take a step and keep momentum going. And so the first one is say yes to following Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you realize that God loves you. He has your best interest at heart, that he is calling you into a new life. And you're like, you know what? I've been sitting here listening, and I haven't taken that step, and I want to I follow Jesus. I'm not even sure where that road goes, but I know that's the way I need to go. You can put a check next to that one. Listen to the voice of God by reading the Bible every day for a week. So also on your seats, and I'd, I thought I had one, but I, maybe I don't. The uh, reading plan, it's a card. We have a booklet. Um, this is supplemental because... Um, we, want the, we had some duplicate reading uh, days in there. So this card now goes into your, the little black book that you had. Um, but if you look at the reading plan, what I love is we just read James 1, 19 through 25, which is today's reading. So you can check that box off. You've already done one day. You only got six more days to call it a week. Um, so we're, we're helping you get there. Do one thing this week that I know God's asking me to do. Maybe there's an, an issue in your life that you know God's been putting pressure on. You know God's been speaking, and you've just been ignoring it. You're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with that later. I don't want to address that now. It's too hard of a step to take. But you know what it is. I encourage you to, to do it, to take that step. And the last one is pray for wisdom. 
to understand scripture, to understand what God is saying in the, in the good and the hard times in our lives and the situations that we find ourselves in, the trials, we need wisdom. We need God's wisdom and insight to understand truly what he's saying to us in those times. So pray for wisdom. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, sometimes the simple things are the hardest to do. Lord, your message in James today, hear your word and then take a step. Respond to it, to internalize it and, and make a decision and make a step. Sounds so simple. But Lord, I realize that in some area we all are stuck in our lives in that. That maybe we don't know what we should be doing because we haven't connected with you. We're not walking uh, close to you and hearing your voice. We're not even listening for it in the hard times. We're just getting angry and bitter. Maybe we know your word, Lord, and we know what we should do, but yet we've, we've just put it off because the, the step doesn't seem uh, easy or doesn't seem like it's, it's going to make a big difference. But, Lord, I pray that we would be people that would hear your word, that, Lord, it would affect our hearts to the point where we would take a step and actually do it. Lord, I thank you that you care enough about us to give us guidance. Lord, that you care enough about us to, to give us a law of freedom, a freedom from the things that are crushing us in our lives. And you have called us by name to be part of your family, sons and daughters of the Most High. We love you. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, we hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.